The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Please stand out of respect for the words and works of Jesus. The Holy Gospel for this Sunday after Pentecost is found in Matthew chapter 21. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. Later, he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. They call this the parable of the two sons. Everybody does. I, I consulted at least 10 versions of the Bible. They all follow the same thing. This is the parable of the two sons. You know how striking that is? With most parables, there's actually wide disagreement about what they should be called. For example, we're going to look at another parable next week. It is called the parable of the tenants. Wait. It's actually called the parable of the landowner. Wait. It's actually called the parable of the owner of the vineyard. And I could go on. Complete disagreement on what the parable should be called. But not here, not here. Every single version that I consulted said, this is the parable of the two sons. And I got to tell you, I hate it. I hate that name. Part of the reason is because there's another parable with two sons in it. Much more famous than this one. You know the one I'm talking about? You know, the first son goes out, he spends his father's inheritance, at least his part of it. And then at the end of the parable, he's eating pig muck for breakfast, lunch, and supper. He goes back to daddy. Daddy gives him a ring and a party. And the second son, he's steamed. So the father goes out to bring him back in. This parable is sometimes called the parable of the prodigal son. Others call it the parable of the prodigal God. And still others call it the tale of the, you guessed it, two sons. So it seems to me like it's a little unfair to this powerful word of God that we would just give it the same name as 
we give to another more famous cousin parable? Because this parable that we have in front of us, our parable that we are to love and cherish from God today, this is like a little bit like the ant, I think. Because it can lift literally a hundred times its weight. With just a few words, your socks are going to get knocked off by our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not the only reason I hate the name, the parable of the two sons. There's an even greater reason. You should never put the villain in the title of a book, parable, or movie. Can we all agree about that principle? I mean, that would be like calling the movie Batman Joker. Or it would be like renaming Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Draco Malfoy and the, De and the Deathly Hallows. I mean, that, can we all agree that that just doesn't make any sense to name something after the villain? The bad guy? That's exactly what is done here. We are naming one of Jesus' parables after the two villains of the story. Here's what happens. Son number one, actually also could be a daughter, is standing there. This dear father, beloved father, walks up to the first child and says, dear child, Great warmth, great love in his heart. His dear child, go and work in the vineyard. There's urgency in his call, too. He says, do it, you notice that, today. And the response is just amazing. There's no tenderness, there's no honor, like honor your father and mother, right? None of that. The child simply says, I don't think I want to. No justification for his actions like, Dad, I'm really tired today. Could, could I go tomorrow? Or like, I promised to help my mom in the kitchen, so do you think it'd be all right if I did that? Or, um, I just need a break, Dad. No response like that. It's just a cold, defiant rebellion. I don't think I want to go. So... He doesn't go. Yes, I know, I know, he, he repents, and then he goes, but you can't excuse his first action. Now, Jesus is on to something here, right, parents? Can, can I just talk to the children for just a second? Have you ever done that before, kids? I'm looking around. Dad has a long day at work. Mom has a long day at work. They ask you to do one simple thing. You say, I don't think I want to. But it's not just in the family, is it? It's also at work. You agree to take a job, you take it. Your boss comes to you. He or she wants you to do something. You don't think you want to. Or at church, somebody comes up and you says, hey, we really need to do this. And you're thinking to yourself, I got more important things to do than that. 
my priorities are over here, and so you just say, no, I don't want to. <laughs> Here's the thing. Son number one is no hero. He's a villain. He's a bad guy in the story. So son number two, I mean, the same thing, Jesus goes up to son number two, not Jesus, the father, I'm getting mixed up. The father goes up to son number two and he says the same thing. He says, dear son, dear daughter, will you go and work in the vineyard? Do it today. This is an urgent request. And the son or daughter says, ah, I'm going to go. Yes, sir. It's actually very a pious response. I'm going to do it. And I think the child actually is thinking to himself, yeah, I'm going to do it. But then they have this fidget spinner in their hands. Spinning it, spinning it, spinning it. Something better comes up. They don't go. And you know what? There's only one thing worse than laziness or, or outright rebellion that we saw with the first child. You know what is even worse than that? Hypocrisy. Saying that you're going to do it and then not doing it. This son was a hypocrite. This son was a plastic saint. And the world will even say there is nothing more objectionable than that. A Pharisee. And yet Jesus is on to something there too, right? I mean, we could go through the whole thing again. Family, two people stand before God, a husband and a wife, and they say, what do they say? I will. And then a few years go by, and they say, I don't know if I want to anymore. And we could go through the whole thing with work and remember that on Fridays, we're really happy to get the paycheck, like super happy, but we're not really that happy about Monday morning when we have the opportunity to actually do the work. And then there's the stuff that happens at church, right? It's the pastor who, like Isaiah says, send me, and then he gets there and thinks, ah, know if I really want to be sent anymore, and it's the person who puts their hand up annually and says, I'd like to be a leader, and then the duties are like the dirty laundry on the floor. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's the hypocrisy of saying you'll do it and that not doing it. See, here's the thing. The second son's not a hero, and the second son and the first son live in each, of your, in each of our hearts. That's it. <laughs> That's the parable of the two sons. I'm not going to stop there. But do you kind of see why I hate that title? If we're going to call this the parable of the two sons... We're going to get crushed. Because if we're honest enough and, and bold enough with ourselves, we're going to be able to say, you know, the first son, 
that's me sometimes. Sometimes the second son is me too. And then we're left with what? Just shame and guilt. That's it. That's why I hate this title, because it just actually totally misses the point. See, this parable is not about disobedience or obedience. This parable is not about whether your words match with your actions. This parable is about a father, right? I mean, who, who is it in the parable that actually initiates the action of the whole thing? It's a father. The father lovingly and kindly goes to each son. The father then lovingly and kindly, gently waits for their response. One of them changes his mind and goes. The other, the father, is still there patiently waiting. This is what Jesus means. This is what he says. He interprets his own parable for us. Here's what he wrote. This parable, I'm telling you, is all about a father with a wide open heart. Here's what Jesus says. This is verse 31. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. So the first son is going in. The prostitutes from the corner. And they're in our city. The tax collectors, they're going in. They're saying to themselves, my father loves me. My father wants me to come in forgiven. So they go in. But then there's the second son, and that's the Pharisees and the elders, and they're just standing there watching everybody else walk in to the kingdom of God, and they say to themselves, I don't think I want to go in. I don't know if I want to enjoy the grace of God and his kingdom. So they just stand there. Here's the key question. Will you go in? Because Jesus doesn't say the prostitutes and the tax collectors are going in, and now, because you're too late, the Father has slammed the door in your face. It's not what it says. What it says is this. Get in line. Right behind them. Because they're going into the kingdom of God, and so are you. Get in line. Actually, by the love of the Father, by the death of a third son, by the perfect life of a third son, what he is saying to you today is look around. You're already in. Just just look around. The angels are singing. The Lamb is at the center of his throne. All the saints are there, those who trusted in his name. 
And just look around. You are in the kingdom of God because you have a father whose heart is as wide as the sea who has given the apple of his eye, Jesus Christ, just for you. So, we need a new name. What should we call this parable? Should we call it the parable of the father with the disobedient children? No. I don't like that one. Should we call it the parable of the father whose love was spurned? That one's okay, but I think we can do better. What about the parable of the father whose heart is wide open? I love it. Do you? In Jesus' name, amen.